You get these questions a lot. Where are you from? And what do you do? That's what you get asked, right? Meeting someone new if you're at a party or maybe on your dating profile. So why not just tell the world? We just launched a brand new online store that tells people where you're from and what you do. It has all 50 U.S. states and some countries represented with physical therapist gear at ptpinecast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee. Check. South Carolina PT t-shirts. Double check. Face masks for a Florida PT. Yeah, we got that. Great gear for life, all with your profession and the home state on it. Great gifts for yourself, a colleague, a clinical instructor, a student, all now at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Wednesday night live on PT Pinecast. Welcome to the program. Before we get started, we do want to let you guys know, available now at uh, ptpinecast.com. People are asking, are these in stock? These went up online like last week. It looks a little bit like maybe a soda can. Our lawyers have told me to say it bears no resemblance whatsoever to any brand you might be thinking of. Uh, but you can get these now. You get the uh, the can koozies and we got the tumblers available now at ptpinecast.com. We want to support the show. Get that for yourself. Get it for a colleague, student, clinical instructor, whatever you want to do. Uh, also want to say thanks to our friends at CBDRX for you, uh, your CBD store. They're giving you the ABCs of CBD. We were talking about this just a few episodes ago in terms of, I mean, this is available CBD products are being available over the counter. Are your patients taking them for pain, which we're going to get into tonight, wellness, sleep, they're just taking it. How is that going to affect their course of treatment? Do you know? Are you 100% sure? Maybe you should find out. Get the ABCs of CBD online at cbdrx4u.com. Thanks to those guys for helping us uh, keep the show on the air. Also, maybe grab a free pint glass from cbdrx for you at our website at ptpintcast.com. Excited? For this episode, this guest has been mentioned. We have a feature on the show, if you've uh, listened to the show before, called Three Questions. One of them is a who question. We say, hey, who else should the audience know more about? This Tonight's guest has shown up as the answer to that question numerous times, and now we got it. All right, without further ado, and you know how much I like to do, let's start the show. All right, here we go. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories here in the world of physical therapy. Hi, I'm uh, I'm your host tonight. I'm Jim McKay. You can follow us on the socials at PT Pinecast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, wherever. And even if you think you are subscribed, Apple actually did some fancy mojo. That's what I'm doing with my hands here. Um, they might have unsubscribed you. So you have actually a go in because they updated their their new podcast app. Go in there and make sure that the little the little thing is checked off on the box. Otherwise, you're missing content. We're putting out content, podcast episodes nearly every single day. So make sure you log in, you check it out. You see that little check mark in the top right-hand corner. That means you're subscribed. It means you're free, but you won't miss an episode. All right, now we got the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, let's bring in the guest. As I mentioned at the top of the show, very excited for this. Been trying to have this guest on the show for a while now. He's here. Uh, guest tonight, a physical therapist and pain scientist with the goal of increasing pain literacy in patients, the community, and healthcare providers on a mission to positively influence the pain and opioid epidemic with evidence-based non-pharmacological approaches to pain management. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Adrian Lowe. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Adrian, how was my uh, how was my pomp and circumstance? How was my ado in the beginning? I think we can wrap it up. I think we're done. That was a great <laughs> intro. It's the best intro I've ever had. So thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks for taking some time out and uh, and speaking with us. A lot of people were chiming in on social media when they found out you were going to be a guest on the show. So thanks for that. First thing we do, hardest questions are always first. What are we drinking tonight? You got what do you, what do you got in front of you? Well, Jimmy, I thought about it, and um, yeah. I was hoping I can answer it at the end because if I told people what I was really drinking, I do have a beer. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, the, I am assuming PT Pinecast is connoisseurs of beer, um, so I got to be careful. So how about I answer your questions first, and at the end, I can come back. Otherwise, people will <laughs> get rid of me right now. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. First round brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science. They are a single source for uh, physical therapists looking for personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. And uh, Johnny Owens and the team over there at OwensRecoveryScience.com, uh, making sure they're doing it right and with the evidence. So thanks to those guys for supporting the show. All right, Adrian, we're going to start off with, with something that maybe, I, I mean, I definitely didn't know about. I'm not sure any of the audience knew about, but this is something that that popped up in our research. We do research. Um, did you fail physical therapy school? Is that true? Absolutely, I did. And I'm proud to say it. It's the only reason I'm here today is because I failed. No doubt about it. I mean, yeah, dumb as they come, back of the class, try again. Um, yeah, our system was different. You couldn't just go take another test. You had to do another six months of training to wow. have the opportunity to do it. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool, actually, now. Hey, by the way, it's funny now. It wasn't then. It was devastating. Uh, sure. <laughs> Yeah, but I did fail PT school. We see that um, pop up when the results for the NPT here in the U.S. are circulating, of course, on social media. People, you know, sharing pictures. And I love when new grads or seasoned clinicians chime in because it happens, right? It's a yes. test, mm -hmm. and people will chime in and, and they'll and they'll they'll do exactly what you just did. Hey, listen, if they if they had a bad test experience, they will chime in and go, "Listen, it's not the end," because here I am, ten years, fifteen, twenty years later. What did um what did what did that failure teach you? What did it give you? Um, you know, to be honest, Jimmy, I was not probably ready to be a PT yet. I um I was a really good clinician. I could work with patients, but I couldn't take tests. I wasn't that good at tests. Didn't really care. But now that I think about it, I wasn't as mature as I needed to be. And here's the funny thing is in that six months you have to retrain, they assign you to an instructor. And the lady that trained me, by the way, was an amazing manual therapist and taught me what I know today. And she got me into where I am. I mean, she really um, if it wasn't for that, I would have been just a very bland, normal day-to-day, -day, sorry, no disrespect uh -huh. therapist, but it, it it started something in me. Somebody cared, and somebody really worked with me, and um, I'm indebted to her for life, and she knows it. I've, I've told her numerous times, so yeah. That's fantastic. See, I mean, like, I we always want to try to find the lesson in, you know, failure, and for the yeah. podcast audience, I'm using the air quotes which is sometimes, you know, this failure or not getting something is actually yeah. the biggest blessing. And it'll teach you something about yourself. Maybe you need to self-evaluate self or, or, yeah. or take a look at where you were, where we were falling short or what else you needed. Um, so, all right. So I guess you, you dusted yourself off. You picked yourself up. You plowed through that. You had a great instructor. You had a mentor, a guide yeah. who got you there and taught you something different. And then tell everybody what you get to do. You get to work with Evidence in Motion. You've written a book. With, I mean, I know producer Juliet was raving about the book before we went live. So tell everybody about that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm probably, again, it's a cliche, but I'm one of the luckiest therapists in the world. I get to do everything I want to do. I do research, I teach, I design courses, I inspire, I talk to therapists, you know, I, I get to meet people, um, you know, um, all over the country, all over the world. And so, um, you know, Jimmy, it, it, it's simple. I had a lot of very cool people say yes to me. 
I mean, so many therapists, young therapists, see the the expert on the stage and they're afraid to talk to them. Just go say hi. You know how cool it is. And I I went to some of the biggest names and said, hey, I just want to tell you thank you. And and they they were kind. I mean, if you want to, I can sit here all night giving you names, but just they wouldn't know they know who they are. And they were kind to me. And when I asked for help, they said, yes, how can I help you? And I would maybe tonight, you know, I don't know how many of the, let's call it, you know, seasoned therapists or the people that speak everywhere is listening tonight. But, um, you know, when that young therapist comes and says, hey, my name is Jimmy and um, I just want to tell you I like what you do. Instead of being, you know, arrogant or whatever, just say, hey, thanks a lot. And how can I help you? Um, I think there's a lot to be transferred. So, yeah, a lot of people were very kind to me. And that's why I'm here tonight. Yeah. Well, I mean, you returned the kindness. We had a, a guest on uh, a few uh, months ago, Rachel Zoffness. Oh, yeah. She was trying to put together a resource <laughs> and she she brought you and said, yeah, he just he dove right in, did it, did a bunch, you know, yeah. took a look at what I was writing and definitely shared a bunch. And and uh, so she was really thankful of that. So I tell people all the time, especially as students, play yeah. that student card, because one thing you have in common with every clinician is you were all at one point a student. So you can kind of, you know, w- where you go from there can can vary. But at every point. Everybody that you're looking at on stage somewhere was actually a student sometimes. They can kind of relate there. Um, The resource that uh, we were referencing, Pain Neuroscience Education, Teaching People About Pain, that was the book you wrote. Why would you do it, and what will it transform someone into, you think, or that you've heard of when someone goes through that cover-to-cover and they take information from it? Wow, yeah. Um, Jimmy, it's interesting. You know, we're sitting at a therapist. We treat pain every day, but the bottom line is we don't know a lot about pain. We really don't. Um, there's been an explosion in the knowledge of pain. Um, I've been a therapist, part of a small group that's been trying to push pain to the forefront of therapy, really the way we understand it today in the world of neuroscience. And a couple of colleagues of myself, Steve Schmidt, Louis Pontadura, and Corey Zimney just decided, hey, let's write this comprehensive guide of what's currently hot in therapy, but in a clinical way that people can go, oh, I understand that. That makes total sense to me. I, I, I've listened to many presentations, read books of very, very smart people that, that I mean, it's really high level stuff. Uh, but there's that need to take it to the clinician where, sorry, a guy like me can go, hey, I get it. And that makes sense. And by the way, that my patient can get it, which right. is what we try to do. Right. Um, Alan Alda is uh, an American actor from the show MASH, and he wrote a, a great book. I'm in the middle of it now. And it says, if I understood you, would I have this look on my face? That's the title of the book, first of all. <laughs> and it's about science communication. He's He became passionate about science educa- uh, science communication. He even helped found uh, fund an institute out of Stony Brook in Long Island. And wow. he said pretty much exactly that, which is it's great that we, the collective, we know something. But if you can't transfer that information or if you're talking over someone's head, what good is it? Yeah, you sound really smart, but what good is it? So good on you for recognizing that and, and then taking the hard taking the hard route, which is communicating. And it's not dumbing it down. I don't want people to think it's dumbing it down. It is communicating high level information in ways that people can understand. You can bring them on your journey. Correct. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, in a simplistic way, Mark Jones, the University of South Australia, one of the top clinical reasoning guys on the planet, taught me this simple little phrase, so what? If you ever sit at a conference and somebody says, you know, this is what happens in the dorsal horn, second order neuron glial cell activation, you should sit there and say, so what? What does it mean? Right. Because what does it mean for Susie that walks in Monday morning and cannot lift her leg? Um, and, and and I think that's the cool, that in that interest and that's really cool by the way i need to go read that book big fan of mash by the way yeah hawkeye pierce is a great one and i mean he's got a podcast i mean he really i was gonna say it took a he took a a turn but really he he talks about the parallels between acting and communicating and he's like listen actors have to communicate a role emotion and he's like scientists a lot of times it's the last thing that they think about 
my new job at Mount Sinai Hospital, I get to communicate with researchers. So I'm in an abilities research center with uh, with uh, David Petrino, and they're doing rehab research. And they're like, great, we got to get this out. And I'm in there saying, okay, now I need to understand what they're saying and then let everybody else know what what this can do. So, so what? That's so what wow. did we transfer it? So it's, uh, it's definitely something that's needed. From the UK, Sir Mark Walport said, and I love this quote, science isn't done, science isn't finished until it's communicated. So that just that reiterates that. So what? Great. You discovered something. So what? If it doesn't get to the, the end user, so what? All right. So 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 what? Let's get to pain. Uh, where are physical therapists? Where is this profession positioned to take on something I feel like we've been talking about and for good reason for the last couple yeah. of years? Um, pain and the opioid epidemic. They're very, very much linked. Yeah. How are we positioned in a good spot to help? Uh, Jimmy, I, I think it's lost on a lot of therapists. They don't realize actually how well we're positioned. You know, uh, if you asked me a couple of years ago, I would have sat here for a couple of years tonight and I would have told you we suck at this and we should, we don't deserve a seat at the table. Um, there has been an enormous, incredible explosion of knowledge in non-pharmacological treatment of pain. Um, I mean, we have calculated there's about two to three dozen things therapists do on a daily basis that en enhances the endogenous system naturally in the brain. We're talking about mindfulness, breathing, exercise, relaxation, um, nutrition, education, the list goes on and on. Um, I have never been this excited. I mean, I've been schlepping myself through weekend after weekend, almost like a televangelist, you know, putting up my tent, hey guys, here's pain, and two people shows up and you go have a beer, and here I'm sitting 30 years later going, you know what, I, I see it, I see the change, it is happening. You know, um, we are getting flooded with physicians, insurance companies, people that we care about, what they think of us and what we do, calling us saying, hey, tell me more, tell me more, what are you guys doing? Um, so I am super excited. There is some amazing stuff we're doing. The science, CAPTI is now looking at pain neuroscience education in PT schools. It is actually coming in. Um, the IASP, International Association of Study of Pain, has put out a, a blueprint for PT schools. Um, we are getting inundated. More students are contacting me. Hey, can you speak? Can you speak? Um, I, I, this is so cool. I, I, we're at the right place at the right time, no doubt. Um, yeah, I, I'm very positive. It's amazing. When I got into PT school, I, I, you know, coming from it as a broadcaster first, I, when I got here, I was like, okay, you guys have it all figured out right now. So just tell me. And I remember going through in PT school, pain was brought up a lot. And I kept waiting. When are they going to tell me the secrets of, of this and how I can alleviate this and how I can remove it? And that's what, I, what we came to realize. And I was in PT school on, and joined Twitter at the same time to kind of collaborate and network. And that was around 2014. And to me, that was when I was going through PT school and experiencing this conversation. Was that sort of like a, a, a revival of the discussion or was that sort of like the beginning of the of, of where we are right now, the, the kind of climb of importance? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. How do I answer this? First of all, um, if you say the word Twitter, you're talking about somebody else, obviously, not the, old, not the old guy you're interviewing tonight. So for me to comment that that was a takeoff point, I don't know, Jimmy. I, you know, I've been in the trenches for a long time with a small group of zealots that I've been doing it for 30 years, but there's been a change. When did it happen? I, I wish I can point to it. Could it have been social media? Could it be this amazing next young generation that, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I, you know, I keep hearing things, oh, millennial this and this and this. I'm seeing a lot of young people that are excited. They're, they believe in the right thing. They believe in, they believe in the good in people, the fact that, hey, we can do this better. I, so I see a lot of cool stuff. And, and when did it happen? What day somebody flipped what switch? I, I couldn't tell you that, but um, there's been a change, and it's yeah. there is a change. Yeah, 
Well, let's talk about that change. You mentioned that blueprint from the IASPT about the blueprint yeah. for PT school. So let's talk about uh, education or pain education in PT school. We actually did an informal poll on social media, found out about 50% of respondents, about 50 people responding, said they had some sort of formal lesson. And we didn't ask. We didn't go into further detail. Was it one lesson? Was it an entire semester? Was it integrated throughout? Um, but what's the evidence? How How is it or how should it really be? integrated into PT school if if you had your choice? Yeah, that's a good question. I was just, um, a PT school just invited me to speak to all their faculty. Um, my concern is that pain cannot be a topic as an entity by itself. Okay, today we do the pain course. Pain mm -hmm. fits into neuro, it fits into pediatrics, it fits into sports, orthopedics, you name it. If I had my choice and, you know, Bill Boysnold, very well known, I'd known Bill for many, many years. Um, he invited me years ago when he was still at the University of um, Wisconsin-Madison and asked me, you know, if you could build the ideal program. And I, we had a beverage, I'm sure. And I said, you know what, um, obviously I'm biased, but I would, I would teach students day one fundamentally how pain works. And then we take that into every realm. When you go through your orthopedic training, how does it fit there? How does it fit into phantom limb? How does it fit into pediatric? It, it, the number one reason people come into our doors is pain. It's been studied unequivocally. I don't care what Blue Cross tells us, where we want to get people focused on the function. I get that part, but people come because they hurt. And they need, if they hurt, they need help. And if we don't understand pain and we cannot translate it throughout, it is the number one thing we must treat and help people with. Um, so yeah, I, I would build it as not a standalone course, but into a curriculum and touch it throughout so they get a, a, a let's call it a clinical application oh. in various areas. Sort of a so what mentality. Put pain everywhere and say, okay, now what? Now what? So what in this yeah. in this situation? So what in this situation? Yeah. Um, so pain education definitely is changing. I hear the discussion changing all the time. Let's switch topics a little bit. And talk about neuroplasticity. Uh, how's it incorporated into pain in pain education? Um, this this goes into communication as well in terms of um, educating the patient, the person, the human being that you're working with. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, Jimmy, this is this is this is probably the, the coolest thing. 30 years ago, we believed your brain was fixed. That's the way it is. Jimmy is the way he is. Sorry, guys, but that's the way he is stuck. <laughs> your brain has 125,000 miles of wiring gets replaced every three weeks. Um, the brain is as plastic as we've ever seen in our lives. These two fingers, when I wiggle them forward and back, 25 years ago, I would have told you if you put tape around it and move them simultaneously, it takes 48 hours as one finger in the brain. There's plasticity. We cut the tape 20, 40, 48 hours later, there's only one, there's two fingers again. We now know, know that's not true. With advanced scanning, we know it takes about 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. Use it or lose it has never, ever been this alive on planet Earth. And what we do know this, uh, now is these maps that we have in our brain, our cortical maps, primary somatosensory cortex is the most well-known one. When that map is healthy, right? And I showed the audience, is this a hand or a foot? Hopefully people will say, well, that's a hand, right? Well, is it left or right? If you can identify your body parts and identify it well, it means these maps are really well designed, they're well represented. Um, but if you, the minute you start struggling to identify the body parts, the brain freaks out and threat level goes up, which means this, the brain can initiate a pain response when it cannot find its own body parts. And that's plasticity at its at its finest, which brings up things like immobilization. We're not moving. And I mean, we're the movement people, right? I always say we are the used car salesman of movement. Come on down to therapy. We'll give you movement. And if you sign up in the next half an hour, we'll give you double movement. You know, it's, you, you've heard these commercials, but yeah. use it or lose it has never been this alive. This thing, this brain is plastic and movement, exercise, touch, tactile stimulus keeps these maps alive. And when the brain goes, hey, there's my arm. Hey, there's my back. The threat level goes down.
it's way more complicated, obviously, but um, how stinking cool is this? It's really that, cool. and, and by the way, it is a call to arms to touch people. Um, there's this idea in pain science that all I have to do is sit with you and explain pain to you, and I'm going to explain pain away from you. And that's a total bunch of crap, because guess what? Um, we're physical human beings, and the data strongly points that this stuff we do every day, moving, touching, those things keep the maps alive, which significantly impacts a human being's pain experience. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it makes sense when you say it like that. And, I, and I, <laughs> I have heard from people say, well, now you've got camps, you've got pain people, biopsychosocial, right. and the manual. Listen, man, I haven't been a, a physical therapist very long, and I've found that the right answer very, very rarely exists on one end or the other of the spectrum. The, the answer pretty much exists or the, what we understand now, the so what, as you put it, is, uh, is likely somewhere in, uh, in the middle. And studying all these things brings us closer to um, knowing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some PT interventions positively influencing um, pain, neuroplasticity. You said there's about 30 things that we can pretty much yeah. do. Just throw some of them out there that maybe people are saying they're, they're undervaluing in themselves. If they're yeah. So, Jimmy, I'll make it simple, right? In the world, in this world, we tend to remember the seven steps of this or the 12 step program, right? There right. are three things that treats pain. Simple. To treat persistent pain, you need three things education, movement, and calming the nervous system down. That's it, period. A therapist can remember. So education, right? What kind of education? Well, there's a plethora of it. There's pain neuroscience education, cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance commitment therapy. The brain just needs to get more information. And so step, step one is we must inform the person, the brain, so they know what's going on. So education, movement, by far, hands down, single biggest painkiller on planet Earth is movement. I mean, here's an example. I, and I want the audience to remember this forever. If you break your arm today, and we take you to the emergency room, we're gonna give you two to three milligrams of morphine to set your arm and put a cast on it. A six mile run produces 10 milligrams of morphine in the brain. Wow. I mean, just, just think about it. I, I almost wanna see therapists start putting that tattoo on their scapula, right? Six mile run produces 10 milligrams of morphine. This is the call to arms. Motion is lotion. Movement turns the brain chemistry back on. And then there's these other things that we're getting so cool. This next generation, we're now interested in things like mindfulness, relaxation, breathing, nutrition, sleep hygiene. I mean, things that I didn't even hear about 25 years ago. I mean, I was a manual therapist 25 years, 30 years ago. Just lay down, shut up, crack, the, crack your back. Are you better? Yep. If you're not better, let's crack them harder until they're better and move, right? Now we're doing mindfulness, sleep, nutrition, um, I mean, yoga, Pilates, um, the list goes on. There's modalities are even in there, which often gets a bad name. Manual therapy, neurodynamics, greater motor energy, the list goes on and on and on. I, therapists should be sitting going, I do that. Ooh, I do that. Ooh, I do that. I don't do that. Well, go do that class. And that's the call to arms. One approach is not the answer. It's going to always be a multimodal, multidisciplinary program for our patients. We've got to make sure we understand the power that we actually have. And yeah. when you talk about that dose of, 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 of morphine, you know, that we can produce ourselves, mm -hmm. um, we should value that more. And the first step in valuing that is understanding it and knowing it and believing it, right? As a yeah. therapist, believing in it. Sure. Yeah. Um, in what ways, how can, how can PTs decrease burnout from treating patients in pain? I mean, I imagine if someone is in chronic pain, right, this can be, this can be tiring for them to hear because they are living this experience as right. a therapist. You're never going to truly 100% be able to sympathize with someone else's human experience. There's just no way you can do it. So what are, what are some ways that, you know, PTs can, can reduce the burnout from 
for their patients as well as themselves. I mean, some people identify as pain therapists. That's got to be difficult because you might see no progress and maybe no, no progress is no regression uh, or slow progress. And that's got to be that's got to be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we need to be careful to become a pain therapist. Yeah, there's a couple of zealots out there and and power be to them. I'm one of them, Um, but it's not easy. The bottom line is Monday morning, an ankle sprain, a patient has an ankle sprain, walks in a patient with fibromyalgia. You get to pick which one you take. If you took the fibromyalgia patient or patient with fibromyalgia, you'd be an idiot. Um, Bottom line is we all want to treat the ankle sprain. Um, but there's a subgroup of therapists that, by the way, are called to this. Let's be let's be sure about that, Jimmy. There are people that are called. Either they have experienced pain, or they have a family member, or they have had something that shifts them in that direction. Me, uh, uh, me, me being an example. As far as burnout, the burnout data is unequivocal right now. Um, there are various scales of burnout, and there's various um, parts to burnout, if you will. But what every study is telling us about burnout is there's there's this tendency to pull back. You know, like I'm going to pull back, I'm going to do less, I'm going to step away, I'm going to, and all the data tells it doesn't work. It's actually the opposite. You have to dive into it. Um, and what I mean by that is if pain is such a threat for you as a clinician, then become good at it or become decent at it. You know, I, I, I always tell therapists this, if you had a patient come in with a chronic pain condition and it doesn't freak you out, it doesn't make you easy, by the way, it just goes like, it's going to be a little tricky, but I can do it. Right. What a great place to be at. You know, what a great place. So, you know, there's a uh, Lorimer Mosley is one of the top pain scientists. I was lucky enough to work with Lorimer for quite a while. And one day we were on a road trip and I just asked him this stupid question. I said, and by the way, I think your, your audience will love this answer is I asked him, hey, Lorimer, you're, tra- you're studying complex regional pain syndrome, which is one of the most devastating pain conditions therapists treat, by the way. That is when everything goes wrong. And, and I asked him just simply, you know, why do you work on that? Why not back pain or knee pain or shoulder? And this was his answer. And it, and it stuck with me. Why don't we figure out the complex thing first and work backwards? I mean, we spend billions of dollars on back pain and get better by itself anyway. Why don't we learn to take the complex thing and at least have some level of, you know what? It's not easy, but I can deal with it. I can, I can at least help that patient and then we work backwards. So as far as burnout goes, simple, um, learn about it. And yeah, it seems self-fulfilling. Oh yeah, yes, Adrian is trying to, you know, tell people take a class or whatever. No, get some level of understanding because if you understand it, then it's easier on you. And then you also tend to care more about these patients, those kind of things. I'll, I'll give you an example, Jimmy. Yeah. We did a study, we took front office receptionist at PT's clinics, right? The most important employee in your department is sits at the front desk. And we trained them about pain. We trained them, not the therapist. Yeah. And by the way, they became significantly more empathetic and compassionate towards people in pain. I mean, so, and that's the point. If you as a therapist learn what pain really is and why people struggle with the way they do, they're not making it up. They don't wish upon it. They didn't wake up in the morning, oh, today I want to feel pain. It's a horrible thing that's happened to them and the brain and the body is trying to figure it out, but you can walk in and help them. Um, it helps you. And so that's the easiest part. Unfortunately, you have to get, you need to go in, not out. Right. You've got to lean into that thing. And sometimes that we've, we've got to take a little slice of, of humble pie, right? And, and, and lean into the thing that maybe we're not the best at. But if you're going to improve, pain seems like something to, to try and be 10% better. Be 10% yeah. better this year, right? You're probably not going to be 100% better at something, but lean into it and be 10% better. That's really interesting. Jerry Durham would freak out and, and, and want to hug you if he heard you say that about the front desk. But that, that is the experience. Yeah. That's the beginning of the experience 
in physical therapy as as a yeah. as, as an intervention, if you want to call it an intervention, it's not an intervention, but that's what people see it as is walking in the clinic. And if if you can if you can at least be empathetic, right? Yes. Sympathy is not possible, but empathy is very very possible as as the uh, uh, the front desk. That's a great that that was a great idea. Yeah, think about I mean Theodore Roosevelt's famous quote, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so when our pain fellows graduate, that's the plaque they receive along with their certificate. Because I'll tell you this, you may sit with a patient and not have a clue what's going on biologically. You may not know what's going on in the thalamus, the spinal cord, dorsal, it doesn't matter. But just show you care. Yeah. I, I mean, that. I mean, Jimmy, come on, we, we're sitting here in 2021. Our healthcare system um, has some challenges and we have not treated people very well, um, yeah. at large, PT included. But what a great thing to say to the patient, you know what, I don't understand all of this, but I'm here to help and, and tell me a story. Who are you? How can I get to know you? What a great st- um, start, at least. But then you got to go learn, right? <laughs> I mean, at worst, you've built a relationship. You've yeah. built a relationship with a human being. And, they, and they've done studies on um, the number of uh, malpractice suits yeah. in doctors. And then they measured how long the physician spent talking with him. And they realized the longer that they talked – about something clinical or non-clinical, yep. the longer they talked, the fewer malpractice suits they had against them, which yep. showed them, hey, listen, I just want somebody that cares, right? I want yep. someone that's going to listen. Ryan Clark was a, a professional football player, uh, gave a great talk at uh, a medical symposium in D.C. a few years ago, and he had an issue with, I believe it was his spleen. Nobody could figure it out. He was literally laying there, and he was losing weight. He couldn't, he couldn't keep food down. He was dying and he was slipping and sliding. And he said he had a physician in front of him just say, we ran all the tests and everything says you're fine. And he's like, I'm 15 pounds lighter. I'm in the middle of training camp. He went on. He said, listen, I'm going to find a new doctor, find a new physician. And the doctor, the first thing he said was, I checked all your tests. I have no idea what's wrong, but I'm going to keep checking things and we're going to figure this out together. He said, listen, if I'm going to go, if I'm, if I'm going, I want to go with this guy. He's going to go down swinging with me. Yeah, it made that connection, right? And and Ryan was able to double down. They finally figured out what it was, but if he went with the other guy, the first guy, they just yeah. keep running tests. You keep getting zeros. I don't know what yeah. to do. There. Absolutely. I mean, we need to show we care. You know, you, you've talked about pain neuroscience education, Jimmy. My my colleague, Dr. Corey Zimney, yeah. has boiled down the the single biggest thing to make pain neuroscience education work for patients to go. I got it. Okay. It's trust, trust, and do you know that you can you build trust in less than one second. Trust gets established in 0.84 seconds. Um, uh, unbelievable. And how do people, how do you build trust in a human being? You show you care, you're present, you listen, empathy, com- the stuff you and I are talking about right now. You know, so many people want to learn the extra technique, the new technique, and it's important. You should learn those, but there's that human side of it that, that is really critical. Uh, it's not a technique. It's, it's what we do and why we do what we do. And then, but I, I want us to be careful here because there's still the skill set. That doctor that said, you know what, I don't know, but I'm going to try and find out, still try to practice the highest level of medicine. So we as therapists have to take the call to action. So, you know what, I need to get good at my manual skills and my exercise and my explaining stuff to patients. So that's still the call to arms, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, communication, right? I go back to everything. I, I look, I mean, my degree is in communication. So, of course, everywhere I look is, is communicating. But um, when I used, there was a time before before this last year, I did most of my interviews on phone. I was able to hear everybody, but there was no audio. There's no, or excuse me, no video. 
And I found that if I wanted to build rapport before I hit that record, record button, I probably needed to talk to someone for 10 to 15 minutes. And I needed to give them like a, like a 15 out of 10. I, if I wanted to bring them in, I had to really put out. And when I was done with the phone interviews, man, I was spent. I mean, I was yeah. done. Now that we've added video and live streaming, I can use other things, not technology. I'm not talking about cameras or microphones <laughs> or better lights. I'm talking about body language and eye contact. And leaning in, you know, you talk about verbal, nonverbal, paraverbal, how we say those things. So some of those transmit via audio, some don't, and you need that video. But if you've got a human being in front of you, you've got an opportunity to do that, which also lends itself to how great telehealth can be. Yes, it, yeah. you remove the touch. I'm not saying telehealth should be everything, but it does add a lot, right? I mean, because yeah. you go into access in terms of the healthcare system as well. Maybe it's something you do in between visits. Now you're saving everybody money and time, but you're still getting that one-on-one -on -one connection uh, between you and the patient. Um, oh, I'll say this for three questions because I've got <laughs> questions for you that I, I wanted to uh, embed in there. Is there anything I didn't ask that you you typically get asked a lot when you speak from schools or, or at presentations or anything like that? Um, yeah, no, I don't know, Jimmy. I, I think one thing I just want to highlight for the audience, which I think is important, we just wrote a a uh, viewpoint in general, orthopedic and sports PT about it. And the idea that um, pain neuroscience education by itself is useless. And what I mean by that is you cannot explain pain out of a human being. I'm not going to sit with you for 20 minutes, explain to you how pain works and go, I got it and walk out and go, hey, nice. this guy, um, you need behavior change. And behavior change comes with the, the things we do in therapy, which is your exercise, your goal setting, your pacing, et cetera. And, and so a lot of people look at me and think, oh, all Adrian does, he talks to people about pain. You're out of your mind. It is, I, I, we use education to get people to reduce their fear, the catastrophization, and they go, okay, I'm going to be okay, now I will move. What made you better? Movement. It's, it's the movement that's important. And so, so that's the thing, I think, you know, and we're to blame for it because when we came out and, and do these big conferences and how pain works, people are like, oh my gosh, so cool, I just going to explain to somebody how pain works. It's step one that there's right. more to it. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, I mentioned my role at Mount Sinai. Uh, my job is to help these amazing physicians and physical therapists um, present and share this information and who better to do it than them. Yep. And a lot of times either guests on the show or people I get to work with a lot of times people are like, well, you just make really great slides and you really coach them up. I was like, you know what I've got to do first. I've got to reduce their anxiety. I've got to make them want to talk, change the word talk to move. And that's, that's the parallel I see yep. between communication. I mean, people say they fear public speaking more than, more than death. Right. But if you can convince someone this is going to be great, you are well equipped on this, then I reduce their anxiety. They're, they're, they're willing to talk or move. I can't stop there. I've got to now give them the tools. I've got to educate. I've got to force them to move. and I've got to do reps. Same thing. You want to be a good presenter? I need you to present a lot. You want to be able to move better? I need you to move a lot. But that yeah. first step is that education and knowing how to communicate it. Yeah, I love absolutely. it. That's great. All right. Uh, we've got a tradition on the show. It's called three questions. Let's do three questions right now. Three questions brought to you by our friends from Fusion Medical Staffing. Find them online at FusionMedStaff.com. Uh, leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. Uh, where there are people, they need great physical therapists and physical therapist assistants. And you might be thinking, like, I don't know. Can I do this as a new grad? Yes, you can. Uh, what about not really understanding the the, the, the role, the, the, the job that's open? They have something called job transparency. They don't want to lock you in. 
They're not getting you know, you know, enlist, and then they're going to ship you overseas. They want to make sure it's a good con- uh, connection. So they're going to give you something called job transparency. See what's out there. I like to say, get your PT or PTA license. Take a test drive of a different area of the country. Do that for three months. Like it, stay. Don't like it, look somewhere else. Uh, check them online, fusionmedstaff.com, our friends from Fusion. All right, three questions. First question is a where question. Andrew, Andrew where are you geographically? I didn't ask you that right now. Um, to be honest, I'm actually at the Lake of the Ozarks. I came down with my wife and her family. I'm working on some projects, and I just drove down today, and I'm going to sit in the, the sit tomorrow at the lake and work a little bit. And Have you? Yeah. Have you watched Ozark on Netflix? Who hasn't? I mean, oh come on. God. You know, it's interesting. I was actually at a pain symposium on opioids, and I was I was actually on a panel with um oh what's um the the main cast member what's his name um Jason Bateman. Yes, he was on the he was on the yeah it was a, it was in California. We we did something with the Milken Institute on opioids, and they they thought it'd be kind of cool to bring Ozark cast members in. He was on the stage. So that they, is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! All right, so yeah, you, you know Ozark, perfect. All right, so your lake is the Lake of the Ozarks now. But if you could go anywhere and do what you do, where's someone else you have? Where's somewhere else you haven't been that you'd love to go? Oh man, I've been in a couple of dozen countries. Um, I probably, if I had to go somewhere, I'd go to Japan. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have not. I've not been a lot in the East. Um, uh, Asian countries, I haven't been a lot. I've been a lot of Europe, the rest of the world. But um, yeah, I'd like to go to Japan. WCPT coming up. I believe I Japan coming up. I can see a little pain <laughs> lecture over there. All right, I'll see yeah. if I can get over there. We'll have some sake. That's what we'll do over in Japan. There we go. Uh, but where there are people, they need physical therapists. So find our friends at fusionmedstaff.com. Second question is a what question. This is what I was driving. It's what I wanted to ask you. What's something that you've read or listened to or watched? A book, a movie, a podcast, something or several things that you think the audience would get value from? Can be yeah. PT, pain science related or not. Doesn't matter. No, um, hands down. Um, Norman Deutsch wrote the book, The Brain That Changes Itself. I buy it in bulk and I give it to PT students for free. Um, do yourself a favor. He's got a new one. Don't read that. It, it, read the old one. Um, the Brain That Changes Itself, you can get it for a dollar on used on, on Amazon. If you don't have a dollar, call me. I'll, give, I'll send you a buck. Um, <laughs> it, cha- it changed my life. It changed, absolutely changed my life as a PT. I wish every therapist would read it. All right. We got to make sure we share that link. I love it. If you're going to give that that endorsement, again, we love it. All right. Last question on the uh, on three questions is a who question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? Wow. Okay. That's a good question. Um, who? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, Anybody doing good work flying under the radar? Yeah. Well, there is somebody. Um, unfortunately, passed away. Yeah. And that is the unsung hero of pain science in the world that nobody knows about, and that's Louis Gifford. Louis Gifford is the gentleman that started the pain revolution with David Buckler, Lorimer Mosley, myself. Um, I bet that 0.1% of therapists even know who he is. Go find his stuff, go read it. If you don't have it, email me. I can send you some beautiful articles he wrote. Um, um, it's, it's actually travesty. He was mind-blowingly good. The stuff he wrote, we're still trying to figure out. Wow. And so what we're teaching right now is actually a lot of his legacy. So um, Google Louis Gifford, um, 1998, uh, one of the most amazing papers ever in PT um, about pain mechanisms. Love it. Love that. All right. That's three questions. Again, brought to you by our friends from Fusion Medical Staffing. Um, we're doing two things left on the show. One is the parting shot. The second, we're going to unveil what beer, uh, unveil what beer <laughs> you're drinking. Let's do the parting shot first.
More good king uh, things coming from our friends at the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org, the leaders in orthopedic physical therapy. They're gearing up for CSM uh, 2022, and that's going to be in San Antonio. A lot of great content coming from the Academy. Also online, their ISCs, their independent study courses, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. If you're thinking about maybe signing up for that uh, OCS exam, there's your roadmap, current concepts grab it just take a look at the reading list i tell people all the time the reading list alone is worth the price of admission uh so find them again online at orthopt.org so parting shot is your last chance for either a mic drop moment want to reiterate a soapbox quote anything what is your parting shot oh <laughs> man you're throwing me here for a um, loop um <laughs> You know, I want to reiterate what I said tonight. Um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, I encourage therapists, learn as much as you can about pain and get really good at what you're doing, but also make sure there's a human side. Show you care. Um, you may not have the answers. Um, and remember, um, all pain is real. We've never scanned fake pain. Um, and I, I think that's a critical part. Our, our patients need us, and um, we're at the right place at the right time in, in this wonderful profession to take on pain. I love that. Great parting shot. All right. So uh, we'll make sure that people know how they can get a hold of you. Website is evidenceinmotion.com. Again, the, the book, Pain Neuroscience Education, teaching people about pain. There may be even a new book coming out sometime in the next uh, year or so. Maybe we'll allude to that. But uh, last thing we'll do on the show, what what beer were you drinking? What did you, what did you have in, in the, uh, the Jimmy, Yeah, again, I'm assuming your, your audience is like connoisseurs, and I feel terrible. I I've been on the road all day traveling, getting ready to write some content tonight. So I just literally grabbed something nice and crisp. I got a Stella. Um, it's nothing special, but, um, you know, I'm expecting people to have some weird thing, but I got a nice crisp Stella here in my glass. It's going down I, well, and I never did another one. I mean, I'm drinking a Corona. so I, I thought that was, yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll go, I'll go to the fancy beer section in the supermarket, and I'll pick out, like, you know, like a custom six-pack, and I'll have some beer I've never had before. And that's great. When I go places, when I travel, usually by car, I'll pick up some stuff and bring it home. But every once in a while, I'm just like lazy. I'm just going to go to the supermarket. And I just pick up a Corona. Never yeah. never discriminate of what someone's drinking and what they like. Or if someone doesn't like, you know, if someone's not a drinker, I'd never discriminate there. So, there uh, Adrian, appreciate your time. Thanks for all yeah. that you do for the profession, for clinicians. And ultimately, that information uh, will benefit our patients. So thanks for doing you. Thanks for having me. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. 
We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.